When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome one, welcome all to Inside Black and Gold. I'm Steve Geller. I'll be joined by co-host Jeff Nowak next segment. We welcome in the voice of the New Orleans Saints, Mike Hawson. to talk about the team heading into the NFL draft. And speaking of draft, running back may be a position that the Saints address. And there's a lot of locals hoping that Tulane's Tajay Spears stays in Louisiana going from the Green Wave onto the Saints roster. Well, Spears dropped by WWL Sports Talk with Bobby Bear and Mike Dettelier, and I want to play a good chunk of that interview for fans here. First, though, let's get into some Saints news. Another former Black and Gold member has gone the way of the Dirty Birds. The Atlanta Falcons have scooped up reserve offensive lineman Ethan Greenidge. His agent made that announcement on social media you know, the, the Villanova product signed with the Saints as an undrafted free agent back in April of 2019, and he ended up seeing action finally in 2020, uh, appearing in 15 games. But he's a guy that hasn't played on either of the last two seasons, spending time on the injured reserve list. So this really has a minimal effect on New Orleans. Now the six foot four, 345-pound Greenidge, is the third former member of the New Orleans Saints to sign with the Falcons this offseason. He joins linebacker Caden Ellis and defensive tackle David Onyemata. Now, the Saints did add a backup offensive tackle in free agency, signing Storm Norton not too far back. Also in the news uh, over the weekend, Derek Carr got baptized into being a New Orleanian. He got his cherry popped on experiencing his first local power outage. Carr tweeted, so, first power outage before I could get our generator hooked up in New Orleans. LOL, anybody want to help? Well, I hope someone did help him get that hooked up because guess what, Carr? You're going to probably need that generator a lot living down here. One of the comments below his tweet referenced Derek getting his first boil water advisory, and his response to that was please explain. So, Carr's got a few things to get used to now that he's living in New Orleans. I'm guessing it's not going to be too long till he starts complaining about Cox Cable. Remember, please like, subscribe, share, and comment on the Inside Black and Gold podcast. Now, when we come back, the voice of the Saints, Mike Haas, sits down with me and Jeff as we get ready for draft day. Tune in to hear Haas' take on team needs, wants, and must. Back with more Inside Black and Gold after this. 
back into our second segment of Inside Black and Gold, joined by the voice of the Saints, Mike Haas, along with our guy in Las Vegas at the moment, but he's here right now. Time traveling. Time traveling, yes, Jeff Nowak. Guys, we are getting ready for the NFL draft, just counting down uh, to the Saints are on the clock with that 29th overall pick, and they've made, obviously, a lot of moves this free agency uh, to kind of, you know, s- supplant the, the the roster at the moment, making some moves along the defensive line. Running back was huge. But what do you at least think, Mike, would be the biggest need going into this uh, year's class right now uh, when you look at it? Is it still defensive tackle, even running back, or somewhere else where you feel like uh, is that that most precious get that this team really needs right now? Wow, that's a that's an excellent question. Uh, because they have shored up some spots to where you feel okay, right? When free agency opened and Shai Tuttle and Anya Mata and Caden Ellis and Marcus Davenport, and then but then when they pick up, you know, Saunders and Shepard, you feel okay, well, they still need help with defensive tackle, but they're okay. Running back, Jamal Williams, they can still need help at running back, but you feel better we still uh, there's some guys on the practice squad we're gonna lose alvin uh wide receiver you feel better but they could use so i think and safety they pick up you know they pick up a guy but they, they lose justin evans pick up uh abraham and so I, I don't i think it's going to be and we don't know what, what their situation is I, I feel they're pretty good at, at every position enough to where they can kind of go uh, maybe it's linebacker maybe losing caden and, you know, Demario Davis, you know, I don't think he ever, ever gets too old. But, I, you know, I feel like I feel like it's going to be defense. I'm eventually going to get to some type of answer here. But I <laughs> feel like I feel like it's going to be defense. But I feel like it should be offense. I feel like the issue with some of this team last year wasn't in the defense allowing points. It was offense scoring points. And so whether that happens, I think I'm over 112 on picking who, the, who I think the Saints will pick in the first round. But I do believe because of their offseason moves, they're, they're in a pretty good position where they don't have to take a safety. They could. Don't have to take a quarterback. They could. Don't have to take a linebacker. They could. Don't have to take a wide receiver. They could. You know, other than maybe quarterback and unless they, an offensive guard maybe. But other than a couple of positions, I think every position is open. So, you know, obviously, Mike, you watch this team as closely as anybody have it because it's your job to do so. Um, Did this strike you as a team last year that was a piece or two away? Because I think that to me is the biggest question as you enter this draft. Are you drafting as a team that thinks one or two more pieces can get you to a Super Bowl? Or are you drafting as a team that is still building and maybe is a a year or two away from being that roster? Because when you look at teams like the Bucks, who are just going as fast to the bottom as they can, you look at a team like the Panthers, who's kind of in the middle, right? They trade for traded for Jeffrey Okuda this week. They're clearly still trying to win despite not having that quarterback. Where do you see the Saints fitting in? Because I feel like that does have to inform your draft strategy to some extent. So I, I look at it two ways. I look at kind of where we were at the beginning of the season and that roster and at that juncture, given that roster, yeah, I felt like they were a player or two away. Now, when you lose a Mike Thomas 
and a Jarvis and a Marshawn. And I don't mean for a couple of games. I mean the majority of the season. Then now, yeah, you're way than more than a couple of picks away, or people pieces away. But here we are again as we start this offseason. I think they're better at quarterback. I think overall they're better at running back. Mike Thomas, I think you're better at wide receiver position. So if you if you're able to keep these guys in the fold, and I, you're going to lose people, but the Saints didn't just lose people; they would lose them for eight weeks, and then like Mike Thomas, IR. I mean, th- their injuries were were so severe up and down the, the road. I still believe with the current roster that they have, given the situation with the NFC South, I do believe they're just a couple of pieces away. Uh, they were a couple of pieces away from making the playoffs last year with, with everything that they went through. So everything staying healthy, which is impossible, but health being missed a couple of games here, a couple of games there, miss eight or nine with, with your, with your core players. No, they got, they, they have no chance, but no, I do believe with the roster they have right now and the picks coming up and where they are in the NFC South. And yes, they are a couple of pieces away from the playoffs and once you're there, who knows? Yeah, I'm with you, Mike, of this team being a contender. I, I felt they were right there, too, last year, obviously, with this NFC South being such a big question mark. And and obviously, yeah, still another huge uh, unknown this year when you look at every other team at their quarterback position. Why why can't this Saints team uh, be the, the top dog in the NFC South this year? Your opinion on this upgrade, you know, with Derek Carr, a lot of folks kind of wishy-washy, I guess you would say, on the addition. But for me, it was when you look at the names that were out there, too, that are available for this roster, I, I think he's a clear upgrade over a guy like Andy Dalton. I do, too, and I think I, I like Andy Dalton. But Andy Dalton was never supposed to be the guy, right? He didn't go right. into training camp getting the bulk of the snaps. He started in week four and continued on. So I, I do believe – Given Derek's style of play, given his relationship with Dennis, given what he can do offensively, uh, mentally at the line, according to what we've been told, and Pete Carmichael and 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 coaches that have come before him, that it is a clear upgrade. And if he can stay as healthy as he has been in his career up to this point, that's a huge get. So I do believe, to me, kind of what happened as soon as Derek Carr got signed, he was the domino. First off, there were no other. There was nobody out there uh, beyond really Derek Carr that would have moved the fan needle at all. I thought he was a, a clear upgrade there, and then and then the dominoes started to kind of fall into into place as soon as Derek Carr signed with other teams getting their quarterback signed, and then I think there's this somewhat unbelievable early run on quarterbacks of in, in the draft now. Typically, this would happen late. If we just sat in the middle of the college football season last year and talked about Stroud and Richardson and uh, uh, Alabama quarterback and drawing a complete bank. Uh, yeah, right. And 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 uh, Will and those four guys and said, hey, they're going to be one, two, three, four. Now, they might not. But the fact that we would have that discussion, we just said, no, this is a poor quarterback class. Everybody seemed to have just been – they started freaking out. And usually this happens in the last week prior to the draft. But I, I, it just feels like this was never a strong quarterback draft. And so as far as I'm concerned, the Saints got the best of what was out there. Uh, if they had picked up Baker Mayfield, that would not have moved the needle. So I think Derek Carr, given 
what he's done, given his health, given his relationship with Dennis, I think it's a good pick. Yeah, I think the big one is, too, with health, an issue that uh, hopefully travels with him to New Orleans uh, with Derek Carr being able to to be that rock for the Raiders all those years and not having any issues. And I'm definitely interested to see, you know, we heard from Archie Manning recently, too, that, you know, he believes Carr's coming here with that chip on his shoulder, kind of reigniting whatever fire was it with him with him and uh, uh, him again. And, and I think that's a great point, too, just because of, you know, being kind of tossed aside and maybe being reunited with Dennis Allen does something. They didn't really get to to get that match together going in 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 Las Vegas or or Oakland, whatever you want to say. Yeah, I, I go back to what was said almost initially when this started to come up, and that was his ability to go to the line with two or three plays, and I'm not going to mention number nine because that's an unfair comparison, but to go to the line with two or three plays that he was able to do with Gruden, make changes at the line, and that was more of his strength. And I remember the day that he signed and we interviewed him at Saints camp, and I was like, well, it's not – that ability is not a facet of this Pete Carmichael, Sean Payton, Dennis Allen offense. It's whether it is successful or not. It's not a, a part of it. It's If it's not – if you can't do that, it's an unsuccessful offense. If you have the ability to do it, you have the chance uh, to make it very successful. And he loved that um, responsibility. He said that's what he did best before. That he was not doing that in most recent years uh, in Las Vegas slash Oakland. But he was. He has that ability. And everybody I've talked to says he has that ability. And that, that changes things. Because that's the Saints offense that it's built around. To have two or three plays and it said call out of things, call into other things on the fly. And if he can do that, three quarters as well as number nine. I feel pretty good. Yeah, I think it's an interesting scenario this season. And, you know, if you, I'm sure if you flash back to 2000, what was Breeze's first season? 2006? Right. Right? If you flash back to 2006, you're Six. probably having similar conversations oh, about, you know, is he the guy? Is he the long-term answer? Can he overcome, you know, that start to his career that was kind of underwhelming? and be the franchise quarterback in New Orleans for an extended period of time, right? You don't want to, you know, this past two seasons, you you know better than anyone. You've having to learn all these names and all these background facts about five, six different oh, yeah. quarterbacks every season, and that's annoying. But it's kind of the fact of life when you don't have a quarterback. And so does it feel to you like this is another yeah. run at a long-term answer, or is this a stopgap? Because that's the question to me is, is Derek Carr a guy you anticipate seeing in the Saints jersey for – three seasons or is he a guy you anticipate seeing in a Saints jersey for the remainder of his career and I I think to me as long as Dennis Allen is here Derek Carr would be that guy and I just I find this to be an interesting kind of you know inflection point in Saints history similar to how it was with Drew that that's an example of it working perfectly you know what do you kind of see going over the next year and a half like what do you expect or what do you want to see from Derek as he kind of tries to cement that? Because I think that's something he's going to have to wrap his hands around. Yeah, the difference in of 06 and when Drew got here, first off, Drew was not, I mean, the Saints weren't really, you know, Miami passed on him. He was damaged goods. He wasn't, you know, he'd had a, a huge questionable uh, shoulder injury. So there was not, you know, when he came in and signed in March, it was, whoa, we've got Drew Brees. Right. It was like, oh, let's see how this, you know. But that, the fact of the matter is we are 
seven months post Katrina, the fact that we were having football was beyond. We didn't care who was quarterback. We were going to play football in 06. It was it was unbelievable. But it wasn't. I don't. I don't. I think it's a little different for for Carr because he hasn't been injured. He's had a pretty pretty solid career. But you're right. To me, this is Dennis Allen's team. These are his coaches. These are the way he wants to have the defensive coordinator situation. These are his people. This is his quarterback. You know, and so I think he's going to get judged way more harshly on this group than he did last year. But I think this team will will be better. And I I I believe, yeah, Dennis Allen's career is one hundred percent tied to Derek Carr. If Derek Carr comes in and he's a bust, then guess what? I don't think the Saints are making the playoffs, and I don't think Dennis Allen was able to survive that many more years. I think Derek Carr has proven that he is a stable, healthy quarterback that can run an offense. Now, he didn't play very well in that, that week game. Was that week eight? Uh, you know, October 30th uh, against the Saints, but the Saints defense played very well that day. But I just, I feel like it's, it's, I don't have any, any comparisons to 06, just a different, different animal. But I do, if you ask me right now, is he, th- I mean, you know, the difference between him being a three-year quarterback and him finishing his career probably in that many years, right? He's not – he's not he, – he's, he's turned – had a birthday in March from, what, 31, 32? Mm-hmm. So, 32. Uh, you know, three, four, five years, I, I do believe he'll finish his career. So what, what would you – you know, in terms of considering this year a success – yeah, Derek Carr is 32, by the way um, – what would the Saints have to do this season? What would their kind of final record be? What would their final result have to be for you to deem year one of the Derek Carr era a success? It's got to be playoffs. I don't. I don't give. A, I don't think anybody gives a rat's patoot about what the what the record is, nor would they have last year. You know, to me, this team has was you know Rams, Niners, and twenty one away from making the playoffs last year. Pretty big run. But really, their season ended in December with the collapse against Tampa where they lost control. They win that game. They're in the playoffs last year. So, but yeah, it's got to end in the playoffs. It's got to, you got to, and you know, first rung on that ladder is always win your division. Win your division, get you a home game, and make the playoffs. Anything short of making the playoffs this year because they've been in a win-now mentality since 2017. And, you know, had great teams, but, you know, this happened, that happened. And, but they're not, they've kind of, I've always said, Steve and I have talked about this, they're kind of tweeners. They're too good to blow it up, but they're not quite there. They're not one or two, maybe one or two players away. Maybe they are. If everybody stays healthy, they're one or two players away. But to me, this is, this is playoffs or bust. You, you, you go seven and 10 again this year against this division, assuming, you know, Atlanta, you know, is going to have who knows at quarterback. Carolina's going to have a rookie, and and Tampa maybe has Baker Mayfield, and, and, and you don't you don't win the division, and you don't and you miss the playoffs. That's that's tough. Yeah, I'm totally right there with that. I don't. I really don't care what they end up finishing in the NFC South. Please just win the division, lock up the the playoff spot because you know it's been two years now where we've been without Drew Brees, and I guess you have to you got to prove. You can do it without a guy like Drew. Uh, looking at the draft, though, and, you know, Jeff and I have talked that, about this a lot. Do the Saints still address the quarterback position, even though they drafted, uh, well, even though they went out and signed the free agent like a Derek Carr, have a huge commitment to him? 
but is it still something you're you're looking to build for the for the future and maybe not the early rounds but even a like a later round kind of draft pick just to develop a quarterback you still have Jameis now as a backup which I'm I'm surprised did end up happening but I, I was just wondering do you think like the development of that position needs to happen more within within the organization just because they haven't been doing that I don't think this year because one I think they are all in on Carr uh, yeah. Derek Carr and two at 32 uh, they don't have the draft capital to, to mess around uh, and I just don't and, and quite frankly with this quarterback class of of who you might get in in the in the late rounds, uh, I believe Luton's still on the on the practice squad. I mean, right. if you're going to do that, I don't think you do it this year. Maybe it's hey, we see a couple of years of Derek Carr and go, what's our future here? Um, but no, I don't think I don't think it's this year. I don't, not not a quarterback, not with this class, and not where other needs that this team has. You tell me. I mean, I've been going over this, you know. Running back? Is it linebacker? Is it a defensive end, or, or really just to me? I just look at defensive line. To uh, me, both lines, you, honestly, is where I I want to strengthen. Whether it's the interior on the O line, or or even the D line too, uh, uh, more so uh, the interior on the O line. Whereas the defensive line, I could see a defensive tackle or a defensive end there, just because you've lost the guy like a, a Davenport. We still don't know what's going on with Peyton Turner and his development there. So obviously Cam Jordan not getting any younger. So it'd be nice to put some kind of prime young pass rusher alongside him too, which we just haven't been able to do. Although they've drafted him. <laughs> think of a, yeah. think of the, you know, uh, drafting defensive ends. You can't say they haven't, they haven't tried. I, I, I don't no, know. I'm with you. I feel like have been more productive kind of thing. You know, it's a right. little frustrating. For the first time, you know, last year, um, and against that in the Baltimore game, that Monday night game, it's the first time I can ever remember a Saints coach or even Mickey talking about we got beat. We got beat physically on both sides of the football. Now Baltimore is oh, totally a very right. physical team, but I think you're right. I mean, to if there's from a need standpoint, there's just too many injuries in those positions not to be very deep there. And Andres Pete at left guard, whatever happens there. You've got first rounders and Eric McCoy all across the line, but I still think you, you, you've got to have depth because there's so much injury. Same thing with the defensive line. You know, either way, I think they're, if if you made me guess, you know, if, if it was going to be offense or defense, I would I would I feel offense is where they have to go. But uh, either way, those you can get. It's not you know you can get a linebacker into. You know, their draft situation is so much better than it was, you know, when we were talking towards the end of the season. You know, we got to that one point of the season, I think it was the Pittsburgh game, and it kind of was a realization like there is no first round pick. This if this thing in the Pittsburgh game, they were they were they lost to go three and seven, and we're like, Holy cow, if this thing implodes, implodes, right. and they could have like the second or third pick, but they ain't got it. It was like, whoa, uh, it kind of changed things. But I feel so much better about where this team now is draft-wise, free agent I mean, we knew, right? We knew Davenport wasn't going to be on this team. We knew Caden Ellis wasn't going to be on this team. I mean, you don't like losing Anyamata and Shy Tuttle and Contavious Street, but if you add those three, if you add Tuttle and Anyamata's numbers up, 
I'm I'm happy. But they were individually, they were just too inconsistent. They would you'd hear you'd say one guy's name for two weeks, and then I'd mention them for five. And same with the other. So I'm I'm some things you knew were gonna happen. We knew you're losing Deontay Hardy. Uh, I'm I'm surprised at how positive I kind of feel about this roster right now on April 11th. Vegas is too surprisingly. They haven't nine and a half wins. I was like, wow, that was a big right. that was a big shocker to me. But a lot a lot of the the, the free agency grades I saw was like C, worse than the <laughs> NFC South. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Like, how is that? You know, first off, you have to consider the fact that when they went into it, they were seventy million over, right? And uh, and that really has not been their mo. Their mo is to kind of get under the cap. They have to get under the cap, but to, to really have money to play with, kind of pre-camp, get into camp, and all of a sudden, and and at the end of camp, pick up guys, and during camp, pick up guys. Never really kind of where they are now, where they've got some some ability. Um, I mean, running back, you know, this team has not run the ball well lately, and they've not stopped the run lately. So that that has got the only th- the only times this team has done well, really well. 06, 09, 11, 13, 18 have run the ball well. Way better than and people. Drew gets all the pub that he does. But if you look back at those years and where they were and what they did, they ran the ball well. Well, I think Drew gets some credit. Like, like the, run, the quarterback has more to do with the run game than I think a lot of people realize because in a lot of instances, it's, you're – breaking big runs because the quarterback identifies we need to run the ball here and checks to a run and then they run and anyway but I, I, or, or, I, or the, the the drew pass game was a run game right right i mean that, right. they ran short passes to colston and you know and what would used to be the the screen to camara that you know obviously the teams have, have worked on consistently that's much harder to do but they're what you're right it was kind of a, a short pass run game and, and i believe that Derek carr can be that kind of guy Get yourself yeah. in third and two, third and three. Stay out of these third and tens and avoid sacks early. And don't get yourself in those long situations. This team is so much better at third and three, third and four, third and three, third and two. Then the, the disparity between that and third and five through nine is is striking. Yeah, and I think and I think you, you mentioned this earlier, and, and I think Pete Carmichael, when you put him in a position to succeed, is when he doesn't have to call the perfect play. He has to put, he puts you in a situation where he'll give you options and you pick the right one because you're the person on the field who has to be able to identify that. And I think that's where there was this, there was this bridge you couldn't get over with. You couldn't, you can't call the perfect play all the time. And in a lot of instances, he had to call the perfect play or the offense would break down. And to me, that's where you really benefit from having Derek Carr, who's a guy who I think can identify that. But I do want to get back to one thing you brought up in the Saint, the Saints more than probably any other team. They get aggressive in the draft almost every year. You talk about why don't they have a first round pick throughout the season last year? Well, it's because they made sure to go get an extra one and they did, then they traded it away. And I am curious as you go forward, I think that they need to start dialing that back. I think this is a roster that if you're going to be as aggressive in the restructures and kind of stretching out this window, you have to have guys on young. Uh, you have to have young guys on rookie deals. And they just don't seem to have enough of them littering the roster the way that they probably should. And I'm curious how, how you feel about that. Do you like the strategy of, 
of going up and getting your guy rather than getting as many darts on the board as possible? Or is this because I, I do feel like Mickey's not going to stop, not going to stop pulling the trigger on those trades, even though it drives people insane. It's a, that's a good question. So uh, let's just look. I mean, so let's ask ourselves the question. Was Chris Olave worth it? Right. Because some number one, number two, for, still for 24 and you moved up to 11, but he was phenomenal. So I, I don't, I don't know. That's, 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 a, you know, maybe time will tell, but I, I, you know, they've got eight possible picks, two fifths, two sevens. Uh, there's no way they keep both fives and both sevens. I don't think. Right. Right. Uh, there's just, there's, there's, there's no way it's not in, it's not in their DNA. Um, but, but you're right. And so they don't, they, they don't, they are. And, and I give, I say this, if, 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 you know, Kyle Harlan were sitting there, I would say this, you know, with, Great respect. We are the Congress of the NFL. No one kicks the can down the street better than the Saints and, and, and creatively. But eventually it's it's got to catch up to you because you don't have those guys on those on those rookie deals or so many of them. But man, I, it's hard to argue with some of the moves they have made. Now you can argue with maybe Davenport and we'll have to wait and see on Peyton Turner because, you know, moved up for Davenport. But it's hard to say. I don't. You must have to take him individually as opposed to to carte blanche as moving up. But this team, they see the guy they want, and I appreciate that. They see the guy they want. They're not waiting, and they're going up to get him, and they're willing to pay a little bit, sometimes a, a little bit more than maybe some people would think. But who's, you know, who's to say? That's for us, us to say that did they have to give that much for Olave? Would he have still been there? But if they didn't get Olave, got one of the other wideouts. Last year was wideout heaven. But hard to argue with Chris Olave at this juncture. Yeah, to me, every year I keep waiting, Mike, for them to to make that move down and accumulate more assets, and it just doesn't Never. happen. Right. No, I mean, like you said, it's not. They have two in the two in the top forty, three in the top seventy-one. So to me, I mean, that's basically, that would be, if you kept all 32 in their right positions, that'd be three out of the first 96 instead of three out of the first 71. You, you can make some, some valued picks there considering there's not with Carr, with what they've done on the defensive line, re-signing Mike Thomas, getting Jamal Williams, you know, Lonnie Johnson, Jonathan Abram. I feel like there's, they've shored up enough to where they can go, okay, I don't, I'm not going to say best player available because that drives me nuts, but <laughs> best player for for that position that they feel uh, is a must. And, and maybe it's maybe it is linebacker. I, I don't know. I mean, Pete Werner played great. Caden Ellis played great. I mean, you, you, at this juncture, it would be Zach, Demario, and Pete. Right? Am I saying that right? Zach Bond, Demario, and Pete. If they lined up with three and not two, they play a lot of two linebackers set. So I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it doesn't matter. We could, no matter what we say, we could have a bet and a pool and each get five guys. And I guarantee you, none of us are right. Been doing this a long time. And I never, <laughs> it's always who, wait, what? The, you know. the one year I think the most of the media got it correct was the Sheldon Rankins year. It's like, I think oh, yeah. everybody pegged, everyone had that one pegged. And I that's got about both it. picks last year. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Really? You have a lot. You had, I had a lot of and, yeah. and Penning. Wow. They had you two have, picks. Did you have? Did you have trade? Did, was Olave? I didn't at, have him trading up for Olave. Right? Was Olave at sixteen? 
Yes, he was on, right. when I did my mock. He was available at sixteen. So, but I did my last mock was Alave and Penning. I did feel like that was kind of that that one kind of felt a little, what's the word? Kind of kind of uh, telegraphed in that they need a wide receiver, right. an Ohio State guy. They need an offensive tackle. They have a second first round right. pick. They're going to go take him. It just made sense with the with the need and the availability. But no, I I agree that like I would have never in a million years guessed Peyton Turner. Uh, or right. or, no, we had that one, or right. Caesar Ruiz, right? Right. <laughs> so yeah, just the way it is. That's why the draft is what it is. It's uh, but to have eight picks and to be have to get back in that first round and to be where they are right now, I think they're in pretty good position to kind of see what whatever they feel is the biggest need. Is it linebacker? Is it is it DB? Is it O line? Is it D line in general? Is it running back? You know, it's 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 hard to say. But they'll be able, you know. You know what I noticed, and I know this is way off track, but I went through the, you know, the beast uh, kind of draft. Uh, the athletic puts out this. It's called the beast. It's the yeah. most comprehensive draft uh, report I've ever seen. Is go look at it and look at the ages of the kids that are coming out in this draft. It is, I mean, obviously COVID. You know, the extra year, the transfer order, and all that stuff played into it. There are more 24, 25, and 26-year-old kids in this draft than I've ever seen ever. They're just so much older now than before now. The, the, the top few quarterbacks know that. Like, I think Hendon Hooker is 26. He's 26 years old, right? Kid out of Georgia's 20, 26. They're just, just look at it That's a on the right-hand side. It's just, to me, I was like 22, 23, 24. I was like, wow, you know? So COVID and and that that transfer portal have, have changed. You're not, I'm not saying they're more mature; they're older, but uh, it's just it's it's really interesting to me that the ages of these kids are coming out as opposed to maybe five years ago. That's the voice of the New Orleans Saints joining us, Mike Haas. Always appreciate the time, and definitely be talking to you soon. Draft day is rapidly approaching, and man, it's I uh, I think that the national perception might be even more positive than the local local perception of the team this year, which is kind of odd. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, you know, they know the NFC South is going to struggle. Right. right. They know that, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of Baker Mayfield fans on the, on the bandwagon, but who <laughs> knows how he'll do, what's Carolina going to do, you know, what's Atlanta going to do. Um, so, yeah, so when it's all said and done, when you look at it, even after the draft, I'm done, you know, I don't know how we'll grade out. The Saints will grade out. But what those other two teams do uh, is going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting year. And then we'll find out soon, kind of, you know, by mid-May, early May, after the draft, kind of the schedule. And that'll, you know, that, that'll play a big factor into it as well. So the NFL's smart. They do it kind of drip and drab you away, and all of a sudden you're at minicamp. So I can't wait. Definitely. And again, appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for joining Inside Black and Gold. Thanks, man. Gentlemen, enjoy. Thanks. We are back inside Black and Gold and gearing up for the NFL draft. There's a player that many Saints fans are hoping stays in Louisiana, and that's Tulane running back Tajay Spears. 
you could say he was that straw that stirred the drink for the Green Waves offense last season. And looking at what his production was, you'd never know the kid suffered an ACL injury back in 2020. Plenty of explosion in the five foot eleven, one hundred ninety five pound back. Now Spears' stock is probably as high as it's ever been. He had a strong Senior Bowl in an NFL Combine. There's a chance a team could end up taking him earlier than most expect. Tajay dropped by WWL Sports Talk with Bobby Abear and Mike Detillier to talk about how his draft process has been going. And I want to share that sit-down with Saints fans hoping to see Spears wearing the black and gold draft night. Sometimes there are teams that show you a lot of interest and they don't pick you. And then I've been around guys that tell me, I never talked to that team. And they ended up getting picked in the first or second, third round of the draft. Said, so, you know, I, I think we maybe talked at the combine, but since then I've never talked to them. Has there been a team or two that maybe has shown a little bit more interest than, say, others? Buffalo is showing a lot of interest right now. But like you said, like it sometimes it don't be the teams that you talk to a lot. It be the teams that you don't talk to as often or not even that much. So like, yeah, but Buffalo showed a lot of showed a lot of interest in uh Dallas they showed a lot of interest and what I a lot of interest mean like I probably like see if I like had a um like so both of those both of those teams they came and worked me out. Then they had they had me do something else after they worked me out too. So that's why I say they showed a lot of interest. Now uh, you know, Tajay, when you look at like uh how Tulane uh I, sh- I should say well maybe Coach Fritz was leaning upon you, how did you welcome that? Because it seems like I mean even even looking at uh, before you played against USC, even against Cincinnati, that uh, you're gonna have an opportunity that they wouldn't give you the ball. I mean, uh, did, did you, how did you welcome that? Because they're putting it upon your shoulders. I mean, going forward, uh, what Tulane football was gonna be. I mean, you, so, you, you, you had to take a lot of uh, pride in that. Of course, there was a lot of pride dealing with it because, like you said, they they put it they put they they put majority of it on my shoulders. Of course, I like I couldn't you know perform or do my best with the guys without the guys that's around me. So a big shout out to them. But uh, man, it just feels um, like you said it was it was a lot. It was, I ain't gonna say it was a lot, but it was kind of like you know stressful at times. But um, that go to show you, man, how much Coach Fish believed in me. I, and I felt thank him for that because you know he chose me out of out of the other hundred and some guys on the team. So because he felt like <clears throat> he believed in me and showed me that I can do it. So. He believed in me and show, yeah, showed me that I can do it. So, like, you know, I just, I, I really, I truly embrace it. And now, uh, Tajay, looking at, um, uh, obviously, uh, you look at the recognition, you exploded under the scene in 2022, AAC Offensive Player of the Year honors, you get all that. And then all of a sudden you're at the Senior Bowl. Uh, but what would you say, the one thing that I noted uh, watching you that you, it seems like you were able to accelerate through the hole uh, uh, around the corner and you, you're shredding defenses, uh, you know, and, and shredding tackles. So, so uh, is that something that obviously you could build upon? But uh, how do you look at your progression when you're coming from high school to obviously finishing your college career, now going into the NFL? Well, where do you view yourself as a running back right now? Um, I got, like I said, like, um, I'm kind of still in the moment, so like I haven't really took time out to think about it. But uh, like I said, like, I'm I'm still progressing, man. I'm still progressing. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff that I still got in me. A lot of things that I got. Uh, I'm feel about myself is I'm still searching. 
I'm still searching. I'm on it. You know, I'm on it. Some good, but I got to keep on going. And I keep on going by working hard as I could every day. Tajay, we all know about you as a runner and you're a terrific receiver coming out the backfield. The one thing, you know, at the NFL level, they want you to do a lot. Man, you got to pass protect. They got that multi-zillionaire quarterback. You know, they don't, they don't want him horizontal on the, on the turf somewhere. Is that something, and I think you're pretty good at it now, but is that something you really believe you're going to have to work on? Because now they're coming in a lot of different angles uh, to try to get to the quarterback. It's just maybe not off the edge. A lot of that today in the NFL is, is coming from inside. Uh, your thoughts on pass protection because – you're going to be asked to do that more at the NFL level than, say, in college. Um, uh, when it comes to pass protection, that's that's the most important thing because you're not just blocking a guy just because he's coming. You block, like you said, you're blocking a, a multi-million dollar, uh, you know, whatever it is. You you blocking a multi-million dollar a quarterback, but also you know you want to. That's your that's, when you're on the field with him. That's your brother, so you want to protect him. But uh, like I, I pride I pride my game I, I pride my game on, on pass protection a lot because. Because everybody don't want to do it, so you know that's how that's how that's how you got to separate yourself by just taking pride in a uh, pass, bro. And man, when he when he come, you know, hit him in his mouth. And, you know, it, it, it's a lot of technique involved, but it's it just all with the mindset. And I feel like I got the mindset for it. Tajay, growing up, is there a guy that you sort of patterned your game at, or you watched a lot as a, at the running back position? Well, and you th- yeah. and you think about what Mike's saying. Yeah. Now, now think about this, uh, Tajay. You know, contributed both at Tulane, Matt Forte, Matt Forte from Slidell, and you from Pochettula. Yeah, and uh, that, that, that's how close that is. That's basically the North Shore and, and the contribution y'all had at Tulane. Yeah, honestly, like um, I really wasn't like a big big football up, so like I didn't really know too much about Matt Forte. Okay, but uh, but uh, he's a great guy. I've I, I been me. Uh, I met him and had a, in a couple of interactions. He's an amazing guy. But uh, my, the guy that I, I kind of like pattern my game out there in the beginning was Reggie Bush. That was probably like my favorite. That was my favorite running back of all time and still is. I still think he's the best. Tajay, uh, going through the process, uh, uh, Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, he called me, I think it was in September, and you know we were talking over players, and he was like, man, I got a couple guys I'm taking a look at at Chulain. And, uh, you know, he, he brought up Dorian for us, and then he was up Tajay. And you know, he was just, he's trying to pick my brain, okay? He was trying to do the scouting thing on me. And so yeah. you go to the Senior Bowl, and I think it was the second day he texted me back, wow, this guy can play big time. Yeah. And, and so for Jim Nagy, who has been an NFL scout before and seen a lot of people go through that Senior Bowl, you really impressed him. And he was like, Mike, it's just not about – how he plays, but how he handles himself. And he was so impressed with how you handled yourself as a young man. Man, oh, man I appreciate Jim Nagy so much, man, just for having me there in Mobile and just giving me the uh, the opportunity just to be in the scene, bro. I got some memories that I have with me for the rest of my life. But uh, like you said, like, you know, and I, I guess coming from where I come from, I just I'm in I'm in this like in this zone right now, so like I'm gonna make the most out of every opportunity that I get. So uh, I don't you know then I then I care about how I'm perceived as a person. Like, I don't want to be coming off as a I want to be I'm I'm a humble guy, so and I'm gonna just you know treat with the uh, treat people with respect. I want them to treat me with. Now, uh, Tajay, no matter uh, football, basketball, whatever the sport, uh, you look at this day and age, you get well compensated, and then obviously you look you go to high school and the college. 
Uh, how many times do you truly play when you are 100%? I mean, then you kind of all of a sudden, because you're a running back, you get tattooed every week, week in and week out. Uh, so how many times that uh, the, the, the teams ever confront you as far as like, um, uh, I guess, your physical toughness, uh, maybe mental toughness and all, about what all comes about with that, uh, about g- going forward and maybe w- what you might be dealing with. Because I know if you're a running back, uh, as soon as you start getting hit, and it, because it's short, week, it's short weeks, you're never 100%. Um, some people say that, but like, how can they question my mental, my mental toughness or my physical toughness when I've been through two ACLs? Like that, that, that ain't, that ain't easy at all. That is not easy at all. Even one ACL is not easy. So imagine what two is. Right. Um, so, uh, so, uh, I'm not, you know, I ain't worried about the questions on that though. Cause I'll get, I'm, I'm going to come there in the, I'm going to come there in a the facility, in an organization and show them who Tajay is. Tajay, what is your plans uh, for the draft? Uh, the Thursday night is round one, and I think most people think you, you'll go in the second night. So do you have any plans set up? Because, man, it's excruciating. I've been through guys that I've known really well, and in the process it was like, man, it's the worst thing in the world because you sort of control a lot of things in recruiting, okay? But yeah. in the draft, they sort of control yeah. things. So it's a lot different. Yeah, I got I ain't got no control over that. But uh, speaking of Jim Nagy, man, Jim Nagy, he actually invited me to uh, Mobile. So I'm going to go out there and kick it with him the first day because um, um, I'm just being realistic. I, I might not I might not get picked on the first – I don't think I'm going to get picked on the first day. So I'm just going to spend some time with him. Uh, so it, it, it's great that he invited me. But uh, the second day I'm going to be – second and third day I'm going to be with my people. So I'm going to have a draft party. Not that many people coming the second day, but if I, if I'm still on the board by the third day – we're going to have a big party and, you know, have fun. And you don't have to worry about that third day. <laughs> that second day, that's where you're going to go with it. Um, have you worked uh, – because you know, a lot of people, if they're going to question anything about, well, he's not the biggest guy in the world, physically getting stronger. Because that's – in this league, you know, everybody's as big or as fast or as strong. Is that something you've worked on in the offseason, physically getting strong? You can't get too much bigger, but from a physical standpoint of lifting weights and doing certain things – to get you through the grind of an NFL season, which is 17 games. Yeah, I think it's just, um, like like you said, like get you through the grind of season, just 17 games. I think the biggest thing, trans- I think I think the biggest thing is just being like being consistent, man. You, get, you just got to build this consistent uh, program. So I'm trusting in my trainer right now, uh, Dig Joseph. He actually over there at uh, DJ Fitness. So uh, I'm trusting in him. He got the whole plan because he know. He he had guys that went through him that's still in the lead that so he knows the up pattern for the lead. But uh, when it comes to size, man, it, it, it ain't size it ain't the question. It's just it's just about what you got in your heart. And I refuse to you know I refuse to just go out, go in the NFL and just get comfortable and settle. So that that's my whole thing. I, I'm not settling. I'm still on a mission. I'm still I'm still I'm still willing to get it. I thought that was a really good interview with Tulane running back Tajay Spears on WWL Sports Talk with Bobby Hebert and Mike Dettelier. So wanted to share that with you guys here on Inside Black and Gold. Please like, subscribe, download, and comment on this podcast. Now, Jeff and I are going to be putting out one final Saints mock draft as the countdown to the opening round of draft night is down to single digits. Now, besides the 29th overall pick in round one, the Saints also currently own the 40th overall selection, which is round two. Uh, a third rounder, a fourth round pick, two fifths, and two seventh rounders. 
Now, I do not expect this team to make all those selections. We've seen that the MO of the Saints in the past has been do whatever it takes to acquire their prime target. They're not afraid to trade up. Now, we'll definitely get into more draft day decisions next go-around here on Inside Black and Gold. Talk to you then. Who that forever?